This podcast was created by Startup Victoria and Victoria University. When things go wrong, duct tape can hold just about anything together. And when you're starting and growing a business, a lot of things can go wrong. Welcome to Duct Tape, a podcast mini-series exploring how startup founders tackle unexpected problems. We call them duct tape moments, those make or break situations that force you to get creative, to think quick and act quicker, to keep the show on the road. And the truth is, Every founder has them. I'm Lara Chan Baker, the producer and editor of Duct Tape, and you are about to meet your interviewer for today. You are almost like a duct tape natural. You shy away from perfecting something. You're, you're almost like a duct tape, yeah, enthusiast. That's Judy again, our interviewer from episodes one and five. Judy Anderson is the CEO of Startup Victoria. Australia's largest community for entrepreneurs, providing tools and networking for over 60,000 members. As the captain of that ship, Judy is a pivotal part of the startup landscape and is well-versed in the obstacles that come with the terrain. Today, she's interviewing a fast-moving founder of a no-code platform. We didn't really think too much about who our customers were or if it really was going to work. It was just like a gut feeling. And when we launched it today last year, like, oh my gosh, it just blew up. There's like thousands of people visiting Pori, which at the time barely worked. And that voice belongs to Samantha Wong. Sam is the co-founder of Pori, a platform that fits into what a lot of people call the no-code movement, which is all about creating tools that allow non-technical people to create very technical things without writing a single line of code. Pori lets you create websites and web apps on top of Airtable, If you're not familiar with Airtable, it's basically an Excel spreadsheet on steroids. Pori enables people like you and I to quickly turn any of our Airtable databases into beautiful functioning apps with all sorts of integrations like payments, analytics, live chat, memberships, and so on. And why that's incredible is because it suddenly removes a whole lot of barriers. Pori doesn't require any coding whatsoever. And that means you can create something 10 times faster and cheaper by doing it yourself and not hiring developers. Basically, if you can use a spreadsheet, you can build an online marketplace, community platform, customer portal, or any number of other content-driven web apps. Now, of course, developers play a crucial and irreplaceable role, but having met many founders who'd spent close to 100,000 on apps that got little traction, Sam knew there had to be a better solution. Pori is brilliant for quickly building, testing, and iterating ideas, particularly in those early stages when it doesn't make sense to pour huge amounts of resources into an unvalidated concept. Taking something that could take months or years and a hell of a lot of money and turning it into essentially a 10-minute process. Prior to Pori, Sam was a consultant turned software engineer who taught herself to code on Udemy and later used those coding skills at places like ANZ, Mr. Yum, and Medipass. In 2017, she met her co-founder, Looney, while they were both working together at the same company. They bonded over Cantonese culture, coffee, and a dream of one day starting a company together. 
and they started building all sorts of wacky projects and participating in hackathons as a way to test them out. Although they took home over 10K in cash prizes and even won a trip to the US, they were having trouble landing on something they were truly passionate about and could properly monetize. Fast forward to 2020 and COVID had officially hit. They were trapped at home, working part-time, and even more determined to turn their situation into an opportunity. They launched the first version of Pori in just 34 days. And now, just over a year later, Pori is used by over 10,000 creators and businesses around the world. I'll leave you now with Judy and Sam to tell you more about Pori and the duct tape moments they've had along the way. I just heard before we press the big red record button where the name for Pori came from. Can you please tell everyone, how did you come up with the name for Pori? Yeah, sure. This is like one of the most frequently asked questions. We were driving home from New Year's Eve one night and we we're just talking about like potential startup names. And we found that anything that was remotely intelligent was named after a male and all the assistant apps are named after females. So we're just having a little bit of a rant, like why can't it be genderless or named after something like a Pokemon? <laughs> so that's kind of how Pori came along. It was named after the Pokemon Porygon, a, a digital Pokemon. I love that. Porygon, the digital Pokemon who is genderless, is now a no-code tool startup based in Melbourne. Yep. yep. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Perfect. Random. I love it. When did you launch Pori? Today, last year. So it's a really special day is today. Is your anniversary for It Pari? is, no it way. is. Oh my God, that's amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. What do you think Sam of a year ago would be saying if she saw what you'd accomplished so far in 12 months? Unbelievable. It can't be real. There's no way this could have happened. Like even when you're on, it still feels so surreal what's happened. That's yeah. been incredible. What has happened? Tell, tell people a little bit about the story. Maybe share with everyone uh, what were you thinking when you launched Pori? Why did you and your co-founder Looney decide to build this business? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm not too sure where to start. But I do remember last year, like COVID had just turned from a hoax to a pandemic and we were both impacted in our day jobs. So at that time we were like working on something that was really, really unrealistic. It was like an algorithmic trading platform. So if you think about it, you can work on for years and you won't be ready to launch. Mm. So when COVID hit, I was talking to Looney saying that, you know, we should probably take this a little bit more seriously. Like, what can we build that's actually a viable business? And so we kind of went back to think about like our journey and what we've experienced. And I've always been drawn to templates. So I've seen a lot of successful businesses just sell templates, making millions but they were more targeted towards software developers. So it's great for me if I've got like a side project, I just buy a template and then I can hit the ground running. But that wasn't exactly the case for non-technical people. And throughout our journey, we've personally met so many people that have spent close to 100K hiring developers to build their products. Wow. So that's kind of where Pori came from. It was to make technology uh, accessible to everyone. It's still a big problem right now. Like we see, that's one of the biggest queries that Startup It gets uh, from future founders and aspiring entrepreneurs is how to find a technical co-founder or they've already spent, you know, a lot of their life savings um, building something before they've actually tested whether or not a customer is going to, to pay money for something. So I actually kind of love that what you're building is a cheap and easy duct tape version of that anyway for people. So yeah, how does it actually work? Yeah. So when we first started, we were like thinking of, you know, like the basic product that we could ship out as quickly as possible. 
And we're like, oh, why don't we just model our templates off popular websites like LinkedIn, Instagram, Product Hunt? Because everything is essentially a list of some sort. Like just think of any website, that's what it is. So using Airtable as your kind of content management system, you kind of organize all your data there and then we just pull it all into the template. So if you wanted to build something like a meetup.com, then you'll have all your events on Airtable and it will just automatically sync to the template that that you choose on Pori. So what might that actually look like? Let's say like, you know, a founder has an idea for a new startup and they know what kind of content they want to put on their website. How would it work? They jump onto Airtable, put in all of those details. Let's say they're building an event platform, you know, and so they're like, cool, we're going to have this event on this day, this event on that day, plug in all the details for each one in Airtable. Then what happens? Then you go into Pori, you select the layout that you like. So maybe choose the layout that looks like meetup.com, for example, where it's like a listing of all the events. And you just map your fields. Literally say the title is this field, the date is this field, the call to action, which is maybe like uh, subscribing to the event is here. And it just does all of that automatically for you. So you could publish a site within just a couple of minutes once you have your data ready to go. And that data is the pesky part of building a website, isn't it? <laughs> Having done it a couple of times, I always underestimate how much work that's going to be. Yeah. So a lot of people say, oh my gosh, Pori is so amazing. Like it was so easy to set it up. The hardest part was curating the data yeah. and finding the right colors to go with the site. Yeah. Yeah. And just so everyone knows as well, like how how is Pori different from, you know, a website template business like a, a Squarespace, for example? Yeah, it's a really good question. So with products like Squarespace and Wix, they're more like a static website. So they might have a content management system, but it's not for a lot of data. So it's it's really clunky and hard to use and you don't really own <clears throat> your data per se. So a lot of people go off to find other solutions to build websites that are catered for a lot of data. And that's kind of where we come in. So you can have thousands and thousands of records that are all paginated and it comes with search and filters out of the box. You won't get any of that on Squarespace. Yeah. Have you got any like favorite customers who you're really proud of that have like used the platform? Yeah, I would say, I'm not sure if you mentioned, but I taught myself how to code on Udemy back in 2015. Yeah. The co-founder of Udemy actually used Pori for their landing page for a new startup that they're working on. So that was like coming full circle. (laughs) That's awesome. And how did they find Pori? On Twitter, actually. There's been like a lot of no code people tweeting about the whole movement and just sharing Pori around, which has been amazing. And they were looking for a quick way to launch kind of their landing page. And someone was like, oh, you should use Pori. And yeah, he, he loved it. Nice. I think that's some good context. Hopefully everyone kind of understands where Pori is playing, uh, who your kind of customers are. So people looking to build websites really quickly, get a landing page up, as long as they've done the homework with the content and they know what they actually want to put <laughs> in each of those fields. And so, obviously, this is the duct tape podcast. You make it sound so easy, right? Like, oh, we just built some temp. We just built this thing, you know, like you're a software engineer. Like, of course, it sounds really easy. But I know that you are almost like a duct tape natural. You shy away from perfecting something. You're you're almost like a duct tape, yeah, enthusiast. So I'd love to learn some of those duct tape moments that you've had, the ones that you're comfortable sharing. But yeah, how did you go from idea to launch? Because I know you and your co-founder, Looney, had like several different ideas. You tested lots of different ones. So how did you go from, hey, we should build this thing to your first customer actually using Pori? Yeah, so when we settled with the idea, 
we just gave ourselves one month to launch it because we've been notorious for building products and then it fizzling out and it never happening. So that was two reasons why we did that. It was one, just get it out there and see if it works. There's no point us thinking if it would or not. And then the second reason why we gave ourselves one month was because Looney didn't really believe in it at the time. She still <laughs> wanted to work on that algorithmic trading platform that we've been working on for close to a year. So I was like, oh, no, you know, just lend me some time. I, I really believe this would work. So that's, that's kind of like how it started. We didn't really think too much about who our customers were or if it really was going to work. It was just like a gut feeling. And right. when we launched it today last year, like, oh, my gosh, it just blew up. There's like thousands of people visiting Pori, which at the time barely worked. It was like six clunky steps and not as I kind of talked about it before. Yeah. People were having issues signing up. Like it, you couldn't even publish the site. People were like, oh, where's how do I publish my site? And I'm like, oh, that's the URL. That's amazing. I mean, how did you like approach that? Like how did that make you feel when you'd put something out into the world that you knew was broken and unfinished and you had thousands of people using your product that didn't work? How did that feel? Oh my gosh, we were just like pulling our hair out, frantically squishing bugs all night while people from all over the world was trying Pori just so like we could make sure that when the next person came along to try the product, they wouldn't experience the same issue. But honestly, we didn't think too much. We were just thinking, oh no, when we launch it, it would just be like crickets and then we can like maybe I'll continue working on while Looney went back to another product. Yeah. And what happened? Like what happened to all those customers that had the buggy version? Did they leave? Did they come back? Did they keep using it? What was the consequence of putting something that scrappy out there? I actually don't think there was really a consequence. Like I think if you had a product that solved a problem, people would stick by and they got really excited. So a lot of people, even though they were completely burnt to a crisp using (laughs) Pori, they told us that they loved the idea and they saw the potential. So we actually got a lot of early evangelists through that launch. Mm. And also by just putting ourselves out there and not striving for perfection, someone from Mozilla actually found our product, reached out and told us to apply for the startup program. So that's kind of like the next natural step for Pari saying, oh my gosh, now we probably could get funding for it. Yeah, yeah. And so it's been bootstrapped to date, is that right? No, so we ended up raising money. Pori. Right. Yeah. So I guess we were just like first week in the mentor from Mozilla Builders reached out and that was a 75,000 USD kind of program for 3.5% equity. I'm like, how's yeah, 3.5% <laughs> of nothing, but that can like keep us going. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, and because we were also impacted by COVID, so we were just working part-time. So it was like the perfect opportunity. Didn't really think too much and we're like, yep, yeah, let's do our best to get in. And It just opened up a whole kind of new world after joining the program and working with people from the US. Maybe explain what Mozilla is for those who haven't come across it before. Have you used the browser Firefox? (laughs) Back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not for a while, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, they're the company that made Firefox. Yeah, it's kind of died down a little. Yeah, and they've got an accelerator program. Yeah. With a venture arm as well. Yeah. Cool. And when did you do that program? Started in July last year and ended in October. Okay. And how was it? What did you learn? So our mentor was Holly Leal and she exited her company for $1 billion. So we learned, we learned quite a lot just mm-hmm. listening and just being around people that built multi-million dollar to billion dollar companies. Mm-hmm. It was just so crazy, like working with people that we 
never worked with before and learning from them and their experiences. Did they allow you to have the same mindset that you and Looney had when you launched, which was, uh, you got a gut feeling, but you know, you hadn't done a full business plan by the sounds of things. You hadn't done a, a lean canvas or anything like that. You just kind of built it and put it out there to see what would happen. Is that something that they like encourage you to keep doing or did they try and teach you to think about, you know, building and, and launching in a different way? Were they like impressed or distressed that that was like, I guess your mindset? They were initially impressed by how fast we were able to move because we were like that. But once we got funding, it was more like, no, you can't do that anymore. Mm. Um, Who are your customers was the question that we got asked second to what does Pori mean? The uh, the genderless uh, (laughs) digital Pokemon. Yeah. Easier to answer the Pokemon question. Who are Pori's customers now? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we started off with going after the creators um, and indie hackers and solopreneurs. But our mentors were always like, those people have the highest churn rate and you might not be able to grow because of that. Like it's a nice little project, but ideally you'll need to go more after businesses and enterprises if you were going to scale was kind of the advice that we got a lot. Mm-hmm. So we had a huge identity crisis mm. because for me, I've always been on the creator and kind of entrepreneur side. So I really was passionate about helping people that were in the same boat as me. So it was, I think, um, even until today, we still kind of talk to people that are in that category the most, even though we are slowly also building for businesses and trying to get into that bucket. Yeah, because why is that? Like, obviously, in general, churn is seen as a bad thing, um, especially if you're a monthly revenue business. But how does Pari make money? Why does that matter? Right. So we charge a monthly subscription where you can cancel anytime. And we also have a pretty generous free tier as well. So I guess going back to the question of who our customers are, if people are just starting out, it means they don't make any revenue. So it's harder to get them to pay us Mm. for the product or they might pay for it and then find that they're not getting traction and then churn. Mm. So that's why if you can get a business customer, hopefully maybe like Startup Vic later on. (laughs) That is the hustle right here, selling in a podcast recording that is like excellent lesson for everyone. (laughs) Yeah, there will be a lot more sticky because they already have 60,000, 100,000 members. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. It's really cool what you've built so far. And I still can't believe that it's only been 12 months, you know, and like what you have experienced within 12 months, that pace, yeah, just how quickly you've been able to build and move. And I remember seeing you pitch at the Her Startup Pitch Night last night, uh, last night, last last year that we did with One Roof. And it was just so impressive, like what you guys have been able to achieve and even how, rel- like we see a lot of pitches and we see a lot of founders building products and it's a message that we always used to speak a lot more about with, you know, enterprises who are, as you know, as they get a little bit bigger, things become a bit more bloated, you know, you've got a lot more to lose, so you've got more to protect, so things take more time. And seeing a startup like Pari move so fast and just build something based on a problem that you had that you thought others would have as well and actually start seeing that traction is really cool. And I know you're just now getting to that next stage where you're like, okay, we've got something of value, but how do we kick it up to that next gear. So exciting that you've raised money. I remember before this podcast, you were telling me about how that happened, something about rolling out of bed 10 minutes before a meeting with a VC. Can you tell everyone about that? Oh my gosh. 
yeah, that's pretty bad when you, when you when we talk about it now. But Linny and I, we always saw ourselves as a bootstrapped company, going back to you know being part of the indie hacker community. So when we started talking to investors, I was just like really ill prepared to the point where, like you said, I would roll out of bed ten minutes before and just talk like casually being 100% transparent and honest, whereas I think other founders would have been a little bit more strategic mm. uh, and less honest. So the, the, the feedback that I got was it was very refreshing listening to me. And that really resonated with the investor that ended up investing in us after Mozilla Builders. Thought that we were just really humble, but mm. honestly, it was just not prepared. <laughs> so the humbleness is not a strategy. It's just genuinely, the, there's a theme kind of throughout all the stories that you share about building Pori, which is like, you don't seem to expect things to go well. <laughs> and they do. It's just really interesting. So yeah, you ever to share any details around like how much you've raised and what you're planning to do with the funding? Yeah, absolutely. So we went for a pre-seed round. I guess it's kind of like thinking we're not going to do well. So we're like, oh, we don't want to raise the seed yet where the clock would start ticking. We just want a bit of pre-seed so we can continue doing what we do while we find our product market fit. So we asked for half a million. Apparently it's a really small check. Where's your investor from? <laughs> the US. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's a small check for a US investor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but we were like blown away. We're like, oh my gosh, we just asked for that. And we we got it. Like, this is amazing. So with that money, we were hoping to get another developer on board just to help us move faster and also be more diligent with our work. Because, you know, we're at a point where we can't really burn too many people. Like, you know, shipping quickly and then introducing bugs is not great for our brand. So we're mm. trying to do that, which as a consequence will move a lot slower. Yeah. 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 What's the team composition look like for Pari now? Oh, it's just me and Looney. We've got rejected by a lot of developers. Well, a lot by, by a lot, I mean two, three, three, three developers. I, I guess we're like trying to shoot for the moon, getting developers that are like really, really good. So it's very hard to convince them to leave because they're that good. They're really well looked after yeah. <laughs> by their current employers. Yeah. Where are you trying to find devs? What is your strategy for, for bringing on another developer? Where are you trying to get people from? Yeah. So on GitHub, a lot of developers do open source, which is amazing. I mean, they're working for free and get anything out of it. So that kind of proves that they're very passionate developers and part of a community. So I will just have a look at who's doing really great work and jump on their kind of discussion forum to befriend them and then build up that relationship and ask them, like, hey, are you interested in joining Pori? Like, you know, we would love to have you. This is our journey so far. Yeah. I love that. Even that's like a bit of a duct tape moment, you know, like rather than going through a recruiter or going and creating a job post for a software engineer on Seek, you're jumping into the forums, going through the back door, building those relations. Like that's, yeah, that's the way to do it. Like they, I think when people talk about hustle, that's what I think of when I think of hustle. I don't think of someone like, grinding away the laptop until four o'clock in the morning. I think, you know, like that's just working really, 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 really hard and long hours. Like hustle, I think is more about like finding a creative way to solve the problem that you've got and being really, you know, uh, like a lot of tenacity around how you achieve something. I think, yeah. So it's not going well so far though. It's a good strategy, <laughs> but it hasn't got the results yet. Are you looking for developers locally from overseas? Does it matter? doesn't matter. We're very open, just more picky with who we want to hire as the first person. We want to make sure that we would get along and kind of work together as if we were just mates mm. working on a side project. Yeah. 
Yeah, nice. I mean, I guess if there's any developers listening to this, any pitch you want to put out there in the universe to join Pari? Yeah, get in contact, reach out. I'm pretty much living on the live chat of on Pori, so you can talk to me through there. <laughs> the live chat is actually a live chat. Yeah, it's me on the other side <laughs> answering. I love that. I love it. Cause then again, like that's the thing. Like you know, I would imagine if if anyone jumps on it's a Pori.io, right? If I got that right. Yeah. Yep. And if you jump on that website, it looks really impressive, right? Like it, you know, there's a sign out the front of the shop that shows you this is who we are, this is what we do, and I just think behind the scenes it's still a lot of you and Looney just, you know, moving block A to block B and block B to block C. Yeah, so really commend you on continuing to do that. I know you've also got an interesting story about, I don't know exactly when this happened in the last 12 months, but you're just going about your business and then all of a sudden your servers start to crash and they're overloading. What happened? Oh my gosh. So as a startup, you're actually eligible to a lot of startup credits. So it's not like we had no money or anything. So we had a- What are startup credits? So just for people uh, who don't understand the uh, the wild west of uh, credits out there, what what is that? Could you explain that for everyone? Oh, so sorry. I just backpedal a little bit. So for Pori, we have to pay for a lot of services like hosting and databases and all of the good stuff to get it up and running. Um, so part of that, you kind of need to be on a paid tier to get, you know, better kind of speed and storage and all of that stuff. So when I applied for the startup credits, you can use it on paid tiers. But Looney thought it was a good idea to not use any of that because we didn't need to. So we remained on the free tier. So one day I was just you know, going about hacking away and I found our website really, really sluggish. Like I was getting all these weird errors and behaviors and mm. I actually thought we were getting hacked. Mm. Oh, I, no. I messaged Liz <laughs> Shadowano, I think someone's DDoSing us. I think, I think our thing is so bad that there's like a lot of security issues. But it turns out that one of our customers made it on the news. So we had like close to 100,000 people just like checking their website out and because uh, we were on the free plan, we and just couldn't support it. And you were hosting their website through your subscription. Yeah, well, we host everyone's website. Like our whole platform is pretty much hosted together. So it impacted everyone. <gasps> oh, my gosh. And just whilst we were getting hammering, like think of, you know, the matrix green screen where the code flies everywhere. That uh-huh. was our logs from like people visiting the site. Uh, we had to upgrade all our instances and migrate everyone during like that moment, which was so crazy. We, we broke prod. Well, our customer broke production for us. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And how did you actually solve that as someone who is not uh, technical and not a coder? How do you solve that problem? Is it as simple as just upgrading your account and getting more storage and more access? Or did you actually have to build? Like, yeah, how did you patch that hole? That's a good question. It's actually more of a question for Looney because she's more doing the back end and the infrastructure side. I think she crapped her pants. <laughs> like she was so to stressed. Put it politely. <laughs> yeah, to put it politely. <laughs> it, it wasn't really just like, oh, here, upgrade the, the thing. She had to migrate everyone from kind of one database to, a, to another with some migrations and stuff. How many customers did you have at that time? Would have been in, in the hundreds at that point. Yikes. That sounds like it would have been a really stressful night. And how did you manage, like, did you get inbound customer complaints or queries or was this all kind of just happening behind the scenes and, you know, no one was none the wiser? Like, how did you manage it front of house? Front of house is me um, on my trusty live support. Oh, yeah, the live chat. <laughs> yeah, the live, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So a lot of people are starting messaging me saying like, what's going on? Like, things are not working. And I'm just like, you know, 
replying to people while Looney was working her magic in getting us upgraded and everything. And what have you done since? Like what were some of your takeaways from that? Like because you thought you were getting hacked but it turns out it was just an infrastructure problem. Have you put in place any new, I guess, infrastructure rules or guidelines to prevent that sort of thing from happening again? Yeah, we pay for everything now. You pay so for things. Start. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That, that often, well, no, you're funded. You can afford to pay for things now. Well, the funny thing is we even had free credits. So <laughs> You just didn't use them? Yeah, because Lydia's like, oh, we should reserve them from when we do need it. So uh-huh. it was like, one, we had funding <laughs> and two, we had free credits. So there you go. <laughs> that is the definition of scrappy. It's like you've got resources, you're just going to hoard them like precious gemstones just in case. Yeah, I... I I had a talk with Looney. I was like, <laughs> why? Because <laughs> I, I wasn't really, I didn't really know that that was what was happening. Yeah. So I was like, I applied for the credits. Here you go. But it turns out they weren't used until kind of everything was on fire. Got it. <gasps> Got it. So how did you and Looney, your co-founder, how did you come to be co-founders? Well, I think it goes back four years ago. So I just left IBM and joined a another a smaller consultancy as a mobile engineer and Looney she spent forever at uni so even though we're the same age she just started as a, a graduate so at that time that consultancy got acquired so there wasn't that many projects going on and we we're also very junior like just new to our role so we were just chilling on the bench so I think that's a, a, a term for when you don't have a client project you just play around so we, we clicked instantly just like talking about you know how we got to be and being kind of similar age and similar aspiration. So that's kind of how we started hacking on all these fun projects that, you know, at the time which seemed seemingly useless, but we got a lot of learnings out of it that we apply to our project today. What were some of the things that you hacked together while you were on the bench? Oh my gosh. So we built this thing, like a useless box, essentially out of Lego and... Oh, like a literal box. Like a literal box. That's <laughs> okay. like the first thing that we've... Not a digital. No, not a digital <laughs> one. Um, but the parts of the box used me- mechanical parts to create this arm that will like hit the switch when you hit a switch. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, so a, I'm picturing like a little lever coming out and hitting a switch for you. Yeah. yeah so yep. if you press the switch, the lever will come out and switch the switch back. Got it. So it it. it required a little bit of programming and a lot of like creativity to build the box, which we used with Lego and then, you know, soldering parts together to create that little arm. So Uh that's kind of how we click saying, oh my gosh, it works so well together. This is so fun. And then it kind of went more digital after that, like building apps. I mean, what did your manager or team at the time say? We're like, hey, we built this box and it turns a switch off after you turn a switch on. What did they say? I don't think we had a manager. I, I don't know what was going on, but yeah, there was like this lab, this innovation lab. So I think uh-huh. that's how we got away with yeah. just you know having so much fun. So play every- around with ideas and see what works, and yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, a lot of people were just walking by and just seeing what we build, and I think we kind of built a name for ourselves. It was like, wow, these two girls are like doing all sorts of things from IoT all the way to mobile apps. Yeah, so that was great time for us. Yeah. And you mentioned really briefly earlier that you, before you convinced Looney to donate some time and build Pari because you had a gut feeling, there was another startup that you were working on. What was that? Oh, right. So back in 2019, we were still exploring ideas. So something we're passionate about, which was really hard to find. So that's one one of the biggest problem wasn't building. It was what were we actually passionate about solving. So at that point, we were 
interested in learning how to trade, kind of inspired by people just day trading, <laughs> making a lot of yeah. money, making it look so easy. So we're like, oh, what if we automated that? So, you know, have some rules that you you listen to. So maybe like when the earning report comes out or uh, when a particular piece of news comes out, like we'll, we'll, it will pull a trigger and then we can have a look and place orders. So that's why we were hacking on at that time, which led us to go to America. So we thought it was a lot of potential because like, oh, you know, we're winning awards for it and a lot of people think it's amazing. Mm. So, And is that still going? Mm, no. What happened? <laughs> well, Pori took off. Right. And that's it. Looney never got her time back. Oh, my gosh. How does Looney <laughs> feel about uh, – what was that one called? It was called Pori Says. Oh. After the Pokemon. So <laughs> Pori just kind of borrowed the name since that was what we were working on and we just dropped the word Says and uh -huh. became Pori. <laughs> got it. Got it. And how did you – because this is obviously something you're passionate about. How do you now think about – you know, as you're entering that next stage, it's like, cool, you're building, you're passionate about building ideas. Is this the thing that you're like, this is the problem that you want to solve in the world? I guess, how do you think about your motivation and, and what you're working on? Like, given that it is still like you and Looney, the two of you co-founders, you know, grinding away to, to build this business. Yeah. How is that motivation serving you? I think seeing people build products and then being so excited about it is what fuels our motivation, mm -hmm. especially how like going back to before I was a software developer, being in that spot, having ideas and not being able to build, I was frustrated. And that's why I turned to Udemy mm -hmm. and taught myself how to code, just so I didn't have to pay developers to build something that might not work. So like being able to help people that are kind of where I was is just so empowering. And I feel like, you know, not, not only are we helping people that want to start something, be able to do it. But actually there's so much opportunities in businesses, even though originally we were like, oh, you know, we're not interested in it. Like so many people within organizations are actually frustrated by the fact that they have to tap engineering resources on the shoulder to get things done. Mm. And now even at work, they can go off and, you know, build things for themselves to improve the way that, that, do, that they do work. So that's really cool as well. Yeah. Have you got any like favorite, uh, I guess, aspiring entrepreneurs or founders or customers that have used Pori where you've gone, ah, oh, that is a really cool idea. And like any anything that you're really excited about that you've seen come through the platform? Yeah, I think one that really stood out to me when we first started Pori was in Japan. Um, there were a lot of farmers that were impacted by COVID. So someone built a kind of automated recipe listing on Pori where he tweeted to his audience and said, you know, hey, if anyone has oversupply of certain foods, just tweet at Cook for Japan and it would automatically pull that kind of recipe or the food and put it onto Pori. So you can go onto Pori and check out all the things that farmers were sharing, which was pretty cool. So at the time, I wasn't really familiar with what you could do with automation. And I'm like, well, we could do that. That's great. What a great problem to solve as well. Yeah, nice. And how do you want people to, to use the platform from here? Like what's next? Yeah, so we're focusing on like making it more community focused. Mm -hmm. So you can build products and have people sign up to your, your platform. So it's like having memberships is the biggest focus. And then from there, you could give personalized information to your users. Mm -hmm. So it's essentially building a full-fledged app on mm -hmm. Pori. Mm -hmm. And I imagine there are lots of aspiring entrepreneurs out there who have an idea where their audience is segmented like that. Like if you even just look at any SaaS startups like pricing page, 
everyone's always segmented based on like what kind of use case they have, how much they actually need from a platform from, you know, free to X amount a month or whatever it might be. So, and then obviously having segmented communications that come out through your website, access to different information. Like that's obviously how Startup Vic works as well. Like, you know, we've got tiered memberships based on the stage of your startup's growth. And then depending on what stage you're at, you get access to different types of events and content and programming. So, can definitely see the use case. Um, what, if someone wanted to use Pori, how would they like reach out? Is it just as simple as going to Pori.io and following instructions on the website or is there any pre-work that you recommend that they do, like getting familiar with Airtable, things like that? What should someone do? I think being familiar with Airtable would be a plus before getting started, mm-hmm. but we have templates for you to work off. So if there's something that you want to build, you can just copy our template into your account. So all you really need is just an Airtable account and a Pori account. Uh, and we've put in a lot of tutorials and guides to hopefully guide you along as best we can. But yeah. if you get stuck, uh, live support. Yeah. <laughs> live chat. <laughs> just literally, it's like call Sam. It's like a hotline chat just directly to the founder. And how do you feel, I guess, about, you know, the future of Pari? Where do you want it to go? Like what is yours and Looney's ambition for the business? It changes all the time, even one year on. We just love what we're doing right now. And we're just trying to focus more on like specific use cases and see where it goes from there. Does your uh, US investor have anything to say about how things are duct taped together in the back end or are they comfortable with that? They love scrappy founders. So I think that's one of the things that they look for, um, people who could move very fast. So we kind of tick that box. The box that I don't tick is the ambition to get to $1 billion. Mm-hmm. I always hear about $100 million in ARR, $100 million in ARR every time we catch up. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, you know, I'm just happy with $1 million. So yeah. that, that's kind of where we're sitting at. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a, something we've observed in the startup big community as well is, yeah, changing of the tide in terms of motivation and ambition. And we certainly, especially compared to the US, like we just don't have – founders with the same ambition. And thats I don't think that's right or wrong. That's just what it is. I think like founders who are working and building startups from Melbourne typically aren't in that environment where it's a billion dollars or bust. And I think that's okay that you don't know, you know, it sounds like that is totally what is energizing you and you just want to build and you just want to get to the next step and see what happens. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think Australians have made a name for themselves because when I was doing oh, yeah? the incubator, the Mozilla, so that's in the US, everyone keeps saying how Australians are super chill, super laid back. Oh, you should meet Sam. She's from Australia. She's super laid back. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. Rep- yeah. Repping the Aussie brand uh, <laughs> in the US. But it sounds like as well like that that's, that's not a major concern from your experience either. No, not at the moment. I, I think it's still early days. Mm-hmm. So... I don't think we've 100% found product market fit Mm. only because our use cases are still so broad. Mm. And I think to truly scale, you need to really just go down one vertical and do one thing really well and then double up, like hire more people and grow really fast. I think that's kind of their game. Yeah. Um, Maybe it might happen next month or the month after. (laughs) I don't really know. But for now, we're just really focusing on building out our core capabilities and making Pori really, really good for what we want to do for now. Yeah, which is great. I think you've got to, in terms of the value that you're trying to add to your customers, which is to help them quickly 
get a website up to test their idea, see if there's actually traction and be able to service those early customers. It sounds like that's something that Pori can absolutely deliver on. So I do encourage people to check it out. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for for coming on and, and sharing a bit of your story and what you've built and what you've done. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I hope you find that dev that can take your team to the next level and really help you build out the capability of the platform and fix all those holes that you perhaps no one sees, but you know, are there that you know you want to fix. And yeah. And in the meantime, anyone who is of a similar ilk and has a similar mindset to, to you, Sam, and just wants to get something out there and build and learn and doesn't want to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars building an app that may not necessarily work. Uh, it's a great way to to go about it. So thank you so much for building something that encourages founders to get out the door more quickly because that's one of the reasons why we're producing duct tape is that we want to share those stories and encourage that type of, um, I guess, scrappiness, that speed, that agility, that focus on learning if something's actually even worth investing time and money in because we'd love to see people failing more often and becoming better founders. You know, like you've, it took, you know, how many, how many things did you build before one of them turned out to actually have some legs, you know. So, yeah, we just don't want to see more founders just barreling down a a pathway that's not going to work. So thank you so much for building Pori. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun being here. Good luck and we'll see you soon. Thanks, JD. Thanks. And that's it for another episode of Duct Tape. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. We'll be back next Tuesday with what I'm very sad to say is the last episode of the series. But while you wait for that, go check out Pori. If you've been sitting on an idea for a web app, maybe something you want to use within your team or for a brand new business or even just for fun, it takes literally minutes to get started. All the coding is taken care of, so you can just focus on the content that's going to fill it. I recommend it to people weekly, and I highly recommend you check it out too. So head to porry.io and follow them on Twitter as well, at porryhq, to stay on top of all of their latest updates. For everything else from Duct Tape, including full transcripts of all of our episodes, hit up our website, ducttaped.co. Remember, that's D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E-D.co. Duct Tape is a collaboration between Startup Victoria and Victoria University. An enormous thank you to Sam Wong for sharing with us today, to Judy Anderson, our magnificent interviewer, and to the rest of the team, Poppy Truella, Hannah G, and Jordan Gianfrancesco. I've been your narrator, producer, and editor, Lara Chan Baker. We'll catch you next week with the last episode of Duct Tape.